512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. Thanks for all your motorboating stories on the Spec Sex Line, and we'll read some of your <laughs> your uh, motorboating suggestions and stories uh, a little bit later on. And we just found one more observation about uh, Marcus Jordan motorboating Larsa Pippen in public that we have to share. Uh, but it is a 512 Friday. The point of that is to uh, play jams from very talented human beings that you have a chance to catch live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Jake Andrews, and he is doing his album release party this, uh, Saturday night at Continental Club. Oh, that might be some motorboating at that event. You know <laughs> what I mean? Be. That might be some motorboating going 100%. on. 100%. It's an album release party, man. Yeah. Come on now. At least at the after party. Uh, at least that, yeah, you go. You're right. You're just a little formal at the actual <laughs> release party. Uh, one thing we did notice about the video, though, Harge and I uh, watching it, if you watch the Marcus Jordan, Larsa Pippen uh, motorboating video on her birthday, she's 49, he's like 32. It, she was somebody's filming it and she does not flinch. She doesn't even really react to him because first he's smoking out of a hookah, mm-hmm. I believe it is. Yes, that's what it is. Um, and then he blows the smoke. It's actually very tech because uh, he basically motorboats as he blows the smoke. Yeah, he's doing he's doing a smoking boat, a yeah. smoking motorboat, it's, it's, a smoking motorboat, which is I, also unprecedented. I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen a smoking motorboat before. So it was like a smoking motorboat and she did not flinch or move, which. And to us, kind of implies that she that happens a lot. Like this, you know, suggests this happens a lot. Yeah, this is a nor- suggests, this is normal prof- yes. behavior for both of That's them. That's like one of their little things. Mm-hmm. He often goes to the motorboat thing, and she's proud of it, and it's one of their little love languages. Mm-hmm. So good for him. He's established that as you know, yeah, a, a common thing. I should have done that years ago with my wife, and then it would have been common. She'd just been like, "Oh, he's coming in for a little motorboat. Yeah. Get up in there." But not oh that's not what we're doing, hun. No, oh, okay. I, I've never motivated my wife, so now if I do it, she's gonna look at me crazy, slap me in the face. You yeah, know, like what you doing? What yeah. the five get, fingers say to yeah, the face? Exactly. I'm gonna get the Britney treatment. <laughs> my own hand gets slapped in my face by trying to motivate her. Rod, we're at Thanksgiving. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I misread the room. Yeah. <laughs> well, even if I, I don't know. My I'm bad, never, guys. Now, now I'm curious. There yeah. you go. Anyway, there you go. That's the uh, off the record that ended up uh, spilling over into this segment. We'll get to Texas football conversation here. Uh, we'll also talk about some of the rankings for uh, Texas at the in the quarterback room. Uh, nationally also uh, ranking big 12 coaches that's a cbs sports article that we'll get into the latest nil uh revenue um uh, figures and stats that have been released not all of them it's not a total uh picture but it's a sample size of the kind of nil progress here at texas we'll get into that too and my man chip brown had a really good insider report and there's a nice uh nugget in there about Jalen Ford and how Texas discovered what has become their best defensive player um, on the uh, defense side of the ball and the preseason pick for Defensive Player of the Year in the Big 12. So we'll get into that coming up this segment. You can be a part of the show. Spec Texan is the best way to do it, 512-337-3776. Uh, some text says, my wife motorboated another woman in the middle of a bar one night. That's lucky, man. Good for you. Good for you. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. You See? got some things, yeah. That's 
You know, that's amazing. Did you get video of this? I'm sure they did. You and, had to get video of this. And it'll definitely be on the Specs text line here in a second. You can. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Uh, there you go. Uh, um, yeah. So I appreciate that. All right. Let's get to uh, the Texas football conversation here, and uh, it'll spill over into Rod's round today. We want to talk some Texas football there as well. Uh, shout out to my man, Chip Brown, who had his insider piece. I won't read you the whole thing. You should go check it out for yourself. Got lots of great nuggets in there about the uh, offseason for Texas football and what's going on. One of the nuggets I found really interesting was about Jalen Ford. Uh, talks about how Oscar Giles and Tim Beck, former assistants on the Tom Herman staff, how they actually got word of Jalen Ford because they weren't recruiting him at, at first. He was actually committed to Utah, it mm-hmm. says here uh, in the insider piece from my man Chip Brown. And it points out that the Denton Ryan defensive coordinator, Aaron Delatore, who is the father, of lifetime Longhorn Alex Delatore, who also I think is in coaching now. He is. And he had to reach out to Oscar Giles or at least communicate to Oscar Giles, quote, I told him, why aren't you recruiting Jalen Ford? The kid is athletic, smart, and instinctive, uh, Delatore said. And also the different recruiting sites didn't have Jalen Ford ranked really high. He wasn't even a top 650 prospect, according to 247 Sports Composite. And now is considered to be one of the best linebackers in the country. Should have already had a defensive player of the year uh-huh. on his resume after last season. That did not happen. But now he's got a chip on his shoulder, probably the size of a boulder. That's good news. And you're talking about one of the greatest. He had one of the greatest defensive seasons in the history of Texas football. Agreed. No, no, I'm not, that's not. That's, that's not hyperbole. hyperbole. No, no, that's, that's no. not. Actually, it is statistically. It's one of the greatest seasons in the history of Texas football for a defensive player, and he didn't win Defensive Player of the Year in the Big Twelve, so, which is which is ridiculous <laughs> because of the fact of what you just stated. He went out there and balled, and all of this happened after the very first game of the season, yeah, where he didn't have anything. Hey, you're right. That's crazy. He had his worst game. Yes. The first game of the season. I think it, he had like two missed tackles in that yes, game. Yes, it was like it, it was he a didn't game. have stats at I, all. I remember saying that again. I was like, man, he might be a liability. You might right. be thinking about him as think, a liability yes. um, and maybe come with some sub packages or maybe give some other linebackers a shot. After that, I had to eat that, eat those words and that crow Yeah, because he was the best defensive player on the field for Texas for no the doubt. rest of the season. No doubt. But he was one of the worst for that first game. That's Somebody should ask him about that. Yeah. Somebody has to media day. Yeah. Somebody needs to ask Jalen Ford about that first game. Yeah, and, and now all of a sudden, boom, here we at. Yeah, because that was amazing, actually. Yeah, um, and he will be at Big Twelve Media Days, of course. So somebody could have the opportunity to ask him that. Uh, there are other little nuggets, and it also talks about how he has already started looking at film for the upcoming opponents this season, and also says that he has been a role kind of a mentor, if you will, for players like uh, Leon LaFowle who also was a very instinctive player, too. Yeah. So I thought that was a nice uh, nugget that he threw out there. That, And I've, I've heard you talk about this with Texas baseball at times mm-hmm. where the coaching staff will be informed of a player or about they will be informed about a player from – a legacy or a friend of a lifetime Longhorn who decided, hey, man, um, I, I, I need to put in a call because you guys aren't recruiting this kid, and I think he'd be a hell of a player for you. And that's happened a couple of times with Texas baseball. It has, yeah. And I know there are – Pete Hansen was yes. one of the most recent people. There you go. Yeah, Pete Hansen was somebody that really wanted to come to Texas, uh, wasn't being recruited. They DM'd video and information about the kid to Carly Todd. 
Nice. And Carly Todd found out about him. They went out and saw him, and they were like, wait, how did we not know about this kid? Huh. You know, so yeah. sometimes it takes other people, other mm. eyes, some bird dogs, other people mm. that are out there, other coaches that are watching these kids that, that are like, man, hold up, mm. how's this kid? Yeah. He's the hardest one that I have to game plan against, mm-hmm. and nobody is recruiting him? Well, yep. yeah, Utah, but nobody in the state? So, yeah. Texas won on that, and it goes back to what we've talked about also about the development part of it. He is the pitcher of development. More so than any other player on the roster right now. Absolutely. No, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I'm with you. A three-star coming in. Exactly. And now look at him. Up for defensive player of the year. Should have got it last (laughs) year. And hopefully we'll get an opportunity Mm -hmm. to play at the next level. Oh, he's he's definitely going to be a guy. And honestly – I I like his ability to play at the next level only because the NFL now Mm -hmm. has become more of a passing league. And as a coverage defender, that's actually where he excels. Right. As a coverage defender, he's been one of the best coverage defenders, if you look at it, in the country last year at those four interceptions, the most interceptions for a linebacker in the country last season. Um, And actually matched the record, tied the record, I should say, uh, for Derrick Johnson on the 40 acres for most interceptions by a linebacker. So he's he's actually excels in coverage. I think that's one of his strengths. I, I believe one of the, the criticisms of his game may have been him as a run defender and run fits, which I think will improve as he kind of grows into a more mature body and getting the weight room and diagnosing plays a little bit better, being able to take on blocks with better leverage. So there's, there's an opportunity for Jalen Ford to be much better. I will say this. I do think it's already settled. And this is my conspiracy theory. I think it's already settled that Jalen Ford is going to win Defensive Player of the Year in 2023. Mm. Because they shafted him so ridiculously, and he was, the snub was so obvious um, last season without him winning Defensive Player of the Year, yeah. that now, you know, just pretty much to make up for that, you know, that misstep, they're going to give it, they're going to award it to him this year. And I He's not going to have the same season he had last year, and I doubt back-to-back years could be he's going to be statistically the best defensive player in the conference back-to-back years. Just the odds of it are not going to line up. He could still be as good of a player, yeah. but you got to understand, offenses are not going to attack and try to exploit him. They're going to run away from him. They're going to throw away from him. They're going to try to avoid Jalen Ford these days. Yeah. Um, and last That's year. Anthony Hill needs to step up. Yes. Last yep. year he came out of nowhere yep. and teams were like, man, this guy is a powerhouse and a game changer. So he's not going to have the same stats. And chances are there will be somebody else out there who will have a breakout season and they'll probably get shafted and snubbed just because the, the snub cycle continues because right. they have to make up for screwing up last season. Yep. There's no doubt about it. He won Defensive Player of the Week three times last year. He was the only player since 2000 in the conference to put up at least 100 tackles, 10 tackles for loss, four interceptions, and three forced fumbles in a single season. <laughs> it hadn't happened in the Big 12 in 22 years. And yet he didn't win defensive player. He did of the year. not win defensive player. Of the <laughs> year. Only Power Five player with four interceptions and three forced fumbles. Only FBS player with four interceptions, three forced fumbles, and two fumble recoveries. And didn't win <sighs> defensive player of the year in his own conference. He had six straight games forcing a turnover. Yeah, that's something that's yes, unheard won, of. He it's won unheard. a couple of games for Texas. Yeah, it's, it's unheard <laughs> of, and you get penalized for it. Yeah, so that's, it. Yeah. that's why I think, like I said, he's going to win it this year, but I don't know if he'll earn it this year. He earned it last season. 
and they'll probably try to make up for that miscalculation or that mistake. Well, I hope he plays mm. even harder this year he because will. of that. And he knows again, it's a contract year. Go it get is. your go get your money and your little duffel bag, boy. Yeah, I'm all <laughs> about cash, that. Homie. Straight I'm sure he cash. got a nice payday just from in his nil oh, deals. Yeah. I'm sure got I'm upgraded sure. tremendously. Speaking of nil, uh, there was a an updated report. Uh, from Austin Business Journal. I'll give them credit. My man CB sent it to me, but it's via the Austin Business Journal. And they're updating the, or at least their sample, or at least the information they have on NIL. Mm-hmm. By the way, because of the new law, there's only so much information available about NIL deals. Uh, so you're only working with you know so much limited information. But based on the information that they gathered um, at Austin Business Journal, they have Texas earning or at least Texas athletes earning at least, at least, that's a big term here, at least, because like I said, it's a small sample size, at least $15.5 million in the two years that name, image, and likeness has been the law of the land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of it going to football, but that's a lot. That's a lot of straight cash, homie. We've all been thinking about that, too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. And, but it's, and, and by the way, open doors, I told you guys that, earlier or this year, they said their calculations and all of their research, they track millions of different transactions, thousands of collectives around the country, and their data tells them Texas is the number one NIL compensation program in the country or athletic department in the country. Mm-hmm. But, but remember, it's an arms race. It ain't, you know, you don't just win it. It's not a necessarily a destination. You don't get to cross the finish line. It's an arms race. So you're, you know, A&M, Oregon, Tennessee, Miami, USC, all those teams are involved in the arms race. But right now, Texas is a really good spot. And I saw the uh, on three, um, you, you said he actually was the owner. Yeah, Shannon Terry. Uh, Shannon Terry. He's one of the owners. One of the owners of ON3. And he said recently, this was earlier this week, um, he put out there that Texas, no collectives are more aggressive during this recruiting cycle than Texas Longhorns. Yeah. Uh, This is 100% the right move. So. Yeah. That was, yeah. I mean, he actually, (laughs) so he's saying that even right now, what he's hearing behind the scenes, Texas is still doing really well. And that kind of leads to our other conversation, uh, 247 Sports. They ranked the best position groups and rooms in the country in college football. Texas was only ranked in one of those categories, uh, and it was quarterback. Yep. Uh, they claim, or at least that article claims, that Texas has the best quarterback room in the country with Quinn Ewers coming back, Malik Murphy impressing at, during the spring game, and, of course, the prince that was promised won Arch right. Manning. So the prince that was promised, I like uh, it. Uh, but if listen, th- th- those things are to me, <clears throat> they are linked. You can't have a quarterback room like that Mm-mm. and not no, be <laughs> exactly. spending a lot of money to keep those guys there. You have to. There's this too much the talent there. Too yeah. much talent there. And especially when people are always out there trying to jump and get into your DMs <laughs> to try to get you another player, get yourself another player. Yeah, you got to stay on top of your game and be able to you know, kind of feel out the situation mm-hmm. because most of these guys, they're looking for an opportunity to play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, something else that I wanted to get into, Texas hired a new – and we'll get to some other the, – the Big 12 coaches too because there's a Big 12 coaches ranking that I want to talk about as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
Texas hired a new defensive assistant, and we haven't really talked about it. Went under the radar, uh, but I think it's it's worth discussing. He hired a new, basically, he's an edge coach. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a defensive end, edge coach assistant. His and this was uh, reported by Inside Texas, so I'll give them uh, a lot of props with it. Uh, Texas hired Jacques Smith to help Pete Kwiatkowski coach the defensive ends. Uh, he's out of he's out of Dallas. He's a South Oak Cliff product. Um, played in the NFL, actually played at Missouri first, then uh, played in the NFL. And he also has a a defensive line academy or the coaching, mm-hmm. uh, basically kind of individual coaching that he does with defensive line. He calls it trench warfare. So he's got a, a company. He's been working with defensive linemen from that Dallas area. And I think, you know, there's probably multiple reasons Texas brought him in. I think, number one, uh, they probably want help developing those defensive ends. They yeah. need help trying to develop their defensive ends because they want more of a pass rush and a presence on the edge. But Harge, I think even more so than the you know the technique that he's he's going to be teaching and the fundamentals that he's going to be coaching, I think it's more about getting more of a presence or having more presence in that Dallas area. Ding, 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 that ding. DFW area. Hey, man, you got to be able to go and infiltrate that. We heard that conversation earlier. Mm-hmm. Infiltrate. Uh, <laughs> when they were talking about Britney Spears trying to get in there. They're trying to infiltrate. Yeah, they're trying to infiltrate uh, in there. But you sit there and you look at how you want to take over Dallas area. There's a lot of recruiting that is going on in the Dallas DFW area. And if you got somebody that is working on those edge guys, and from what I understand, he's also has a relationship with Colin Simmons, the the defensive uh, mm. end coming in from uh, from Duncanville. That'd be worth so it. there's some information that might be there that you can have that conversation. He feels comfortable with that group. There's so many different things that you can do because if, if you don't remember, Rashad Samples was one of those guys that was in the DFW area, yes. and then now he's kind of spread his wings. I oh, think yeah. he's at Arizona State with. Um, You're right because he left. Brian Carrington. He left the Rams. Yeah, was yeah, he was, was or it? maybe that's where he went. Because he, I, he was, was doing something he, like that. I thought he went to the NFL for a little while, but I could, I could be off about. But that. he had his link to the Dallas yes. area because his yeah. father was the head football coach at Duncanville, so he's he's in the mix. So you want to make sure that you do that and look at what. Uh, Matt Rule has just done. Matt Rule, oh, when he got the a, head of, of of the Texas Football, I mean, High School Coaches Association, she's working for him. So mm-hmm. there's so many different entities and ways to go about it, and Texas is getting in front of the game. Uh, yeah, he did. Rashad Samuels was with the Rams last season, yeah. and now he's with Arizona State. Yeah, that's what I thought. So you're right. Him and Brian Carrington back together again. Uh, BC. Ooh. Yep. I didn't think about that either. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's a yep. good point. It's all about the connections, man. It's all about He's connect- a fast riser, though, in the coaching ranks. But getting back to that DFW area, I mean, I'm from Houston, so there's always been a little bit of a rivalry between Houston and Dallas. And usually I would say that Houston has more talent. Dallas has the better football teams, and, te- and Houston has the better football talent. That has not been the case lately. Lately, Dallas has the better talent and no. the better teams. <laughs> no doubt. They've no. been winning state championships. <laughs> Yeah, they, exactly. They've been dominating lately. Houston still has a ton of talent. But if you go look at since 2020, uh, the draft, the NFL draft since 2020, and you look at the amount of players drafted from just the DFW area alone, we're talking about 50 players yeah. drafted from DFW, just that area since 2020. Uh, the only states to have more players drafted than DFW, Metroplex, since 2020 are Florida, Texas, 
Georgia, and California. That's it. That's it. Wow. That's it. The DFW era will be fifth <laughs> in producing NFL talent, draftable NFL talent since 2020. Besides, you just named mm. states. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, obviously, well, you sit there, you think DFW's about it, you said, in Texas, but, but you said yeah. states. States. Just and DFW. DFW has its own. And, that, and that's why when Bob Seuss was like, y'all think we're going to be the next Nebraska? Y'all dead wrong about right. that. Because I'm in Texas. Because he's like, we in DFW. We yeah. deep. We deep. He, he, he literally said that. He was like, no, we too deep in Dallas yep. to ever fall off like Nebraska. <laughs> Nebraska ain't got a Dallas near them. We got a no, DFW. That's true. And right now, there, is, there isn't a better Metroplex in the country Mm-mm. that produces more NFL talent. That's, that's, than DFW right wow. now. It is the most fertile football yeah. megaplex, metroplex, whatever, excuse me, in the country right now. I didn't now. even think about that until you said all the states, and oh, then yeah. you said Dallas. Dallas. <laughs> Houston ain't bad. Houston's, right. Houston's had 40 in that time span, so Houston's Houston would, would probably be in the top six or seven. Mm. That's, not, that's not bad. That's not so, bad at you all. You gotta I lock mean, down Houston, you lock down Dallas if you're a Sark. You just, if you could just get the majority share Majority yep. stake in those places, you, man, you got national championship caliber roster right there. No doubt. But in Houston, you got to compete with the SEC a lot because the SEC, they got inroads to H-Town. That's where LSU recruits a ton of no uh, H-Town. Uh, Alabama's got offices in H-Town. Everybody, yep. Ole Miss is now in H-Town. Now all the SEC schools are in H-Town. So H-Town's a little tougher than Dallas. Now everybody knows you got to be in Dallas. But Dallas, you should just be Oklahoma. Yeah. And pretty much Texas, Texas. and then and whatever they, Texas schools there, yeah. and then whatever the Pac-12 schools would try to come yep, out there and poach yep. every now and then. But now, no, 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 DFW, nope, it's that's ground zero, man, for for Sark and really for for Texas and Oklahoma too. Yeah, no doubt. And now that's your rival, and you got to duke it out with Oklahoma for to talent get those in, people. Yep. In met, yeah, in the, in the metro place. And that's why this move by Sark, making sure that he got got the right person hired. Makes a big difference when you're recruiting the defensive yes, side of the ball yeah. in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Yep, going back to it, yeah. So even if he can't coach a lick, <laughs> exactly, it's worth it. <laughs> it was a good move. It, he's a terrible coach. Who cares? <laughs> he's got connections he got in connects. DFW, that's man, right. and that's, that's exactly right. what Sark needs. Uh, okay, let's rank the Big Twelve coaches. Look at his ranking really quickly. Um, we won't spend much time on this because I want to get into Rod's Ramp today, and I want to talk a little Texas football in Rod's Ramp today. But this is from uh, CBS Sports, mm-hmm. and they went through and ranked all the Big 12 coaches. And you know what? I want to say Sark is too low on this list. Here's the list of the ranking of Big 12 coaches. They have Sonny Dykes number one. Sonny Dykes numero uno on this list. I think it's strictly <laughs> off of last year's performance. Is it? It has to be. Are you really? It has to be, and those weren't even his players, by the way. Are we are we underestimating and underrating Sonny Dykes a little bit? I don't think that I'm underestimating him. I just want to see what he has this year and that year after that. I agree with you. You know what I'm saying? Because now you're recruiting your your well, your, your players. But, but Marge, I think this list has nothing to do with recruiting because where Sark is on it, yeah. clearly doesn't have anything to do with recruiting. You're right. It's just you're coaching. Right. So we just say coach. Sonny Dyke's really good coach, but recruiting may be the downfall for TCU. But coach-wise, really good. And are, 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 are they giving it to him because of what he did last year? I that's mean, that's what I'm saying. That's yes, no, no, it one. definitely is. That's a big part yeah. of it. Because um, Chris Kleiman is number two, and they finished one and two last year. Or two and one. No, what? 
What no, are you talking about? No, no, no. Because Chris Kleiman, K-State won the Big 12. So Big Chris 12, And we all believe that. I would have put Chris Kleiman as number one. Because uh, I think we all believe Chris, Chris Kleiman is, is a better coach. I would have put Chris Kleiman number yeah. one. Yeah. Okay. I think Chris Kleiman's a better coach than Sonny Dykes has proven to be. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I think Sonny Dykes, I think, I think this is for, this is basically because they want this list to become a, be a little polarizing, a little yeah. controversial. Yeah, a lot of conversation. Uh, and, you can, and you can have the conversation about Sonny Dykes, but for me, no, Sonny Dykes would not be the best coach in the Big 12. Right. It's, I, I believe it is Chris Kleiman as the best coach. Right. And I'd have Mike Gundy number two. He's number three. He's number three. So, I mean, it's not that far off, except you got to move a couple people <laughs> you gotta, around. you got to bump Sonny you Dykes gotta bump down. down. Yeah. They got Lance Lepo number four. And I love me some Lance Lepo, gentlemen, Kansas coach. I think he's damn good. It really is. And it's all about his credibility, too, because of what he did at some of the other places he well, was at. And that that climbing. Yeah. That's why climbing that's gets up to what he did at yep. the Division two level, like yep. the lower level. Yep. Right? Uh, I'm down with At the that. FCS level, excuse me, I should say that. Um, and Lance Lepo was at the, what, Division he was at Division Three. Yeah, he, he was won D3. like national title. White, had like Wisconsin, a yeah, Wisconsin Whitewater. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know what? And I'll give those he won six national titles from 2007 Bro, to 14. Dynasty. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give I'll give uh, those institutions a lot of credit. Those programs a lot of credit for going to the lower levels to go find a mm-hmm. damn good coach to do your your research and due diligence. They went and get got Chris Kleiman from the yep. FCS program where he had proven himself, hey, a good ball coach is a good ball coach. I'll give it up to uh, Kansas for going to get Lance Leopold. Yep. Damn good ball coach. Division three, still good ball coach. And you know what? What Texas Tech just did with Jordan McGuire. Right. They were like, you know what? He's in high school. He's a damn good ball and he coach. Knows he knows people. ball. And he he's a good yeah he won state championships yeah, yeah this I, is a good move yeah I was gonna say I, the Big Twelve I think is a little unique in that that they'll go to the lower level and promote I'm sure it's been done a lot but you see it uh, done more prominently it seems like in the Big Twelve uh, Baylor they got Dave Aranda who I love by the way no coach speaking that man uh, at number the five monk. The yes monk. <laughs> uh, I, that may be a little high for Dave Aranda I'm not yeah. sure because we not the, the the jury's still out he had one great year. And he had one down and here. And then he went back. And yeah, because so those weren't his players. Those weren't his players. That yeah, <laughs> those, are, those weren't his players. So I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Gus Malzahn probably, I probably would put him above Dave Rand. He's done more. I would, I would go there. Gus Malzahn, he's proven himself a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, in the Dave SEC. Rand. In the SEC, yeah. Beat, beat Nick Saban. Yeah, I mean, he's proved he's a big boy coach. Uh, Matt Campbell at number seven. I like Matt Campbell more than y'all do. So I, I think his I think his starlight star bright first bright star I see tonight it might have passed. Oh yeah, the, the luster is gone. Yeah. The thrill is gone. The thrill is gone. He, he didn't strike when the iron he, was hot. He missed like three good great jobs that he could have yeah, gotten. Yeah, yeah, and missed out on him. Could have had that Detroit Lions job. And but they might not have been the same because it's not Dan Campbell. You no, know what yeah, <laughs> Dan Campbell made a great joke. He was like, they got the wrong Campbell, but I'll take it. Uh, then they got Steve Sarkeesian, gentlemen, at number eight. Ahead of uh, Kalani Sitaki of BYU, Joey McGuire of Texas Tech, Dana Hogerson at U of H. They got Brent Venables at 12 at Oklahoma. Scott Satterfield at Cincinnati at 13 and West Virginia. Uh, Neil Brown, your boy, hard. You said he's going to be gone before the midway point. Man, and I hate last. that for him. I hate that for him, so but, man, know. you got to go. He knows. You got to, you ain't got you got to, to go. You ain't got to go home, but yeah. you gone. You gone, player. Um, what about Sark? We think he's too high, too low, gentlemen. He's at number eight on this list out of 14 coaches. Well, as I sit here and I look at it, five and seven the first year, second year went eight and five. We see the improvement. Patrick, you mentioned it a little while ago. This has nothing to do with recruiting. It's all about everything that happens on the field. 
I think this is another one. Hey, I got a chip on my shoulder. This is another chip mm-hmm. on the shoulder for Sark to go out there and take his team to the next level. So I'm going to leave him there, but I definitely think he's a better coach than Matt Campbell right now. I would definitely put myself above that. I don't know about that. I, I'm just saying. I think Matt Campbell's done more with less, and you could argue Sark's done less with more. Yeah, no, I, and I agree, but that's where we're sitting right now. All of us are hoping. Right. We're hoping yes. that – Sark is the better coach, and he is going to improve, and he's going to show you this year. No, no, this this was it was an anomaly the first two years that he just didn't have his players, and now he's got his guys, and he can go do it. He could also really show that that list is pretty accurate. Yeah, and both those are very very easy solutions to see this season. I, I think this is the season that we get more clarity. This is definitely if we don't get them if we don't get the clarity now we'll yeah. never get it because or it, or we actually got it clear yeah because the expectation is simple right it's yeah. double digit wins and competing for a Big Twelve title if he doesn't meet that people assume okay well he's just sark he's a he's a he's a coach that's won fifty five percent of his games which is above average to mm-hmm. good but not great right and to make it into the College Football Hall of Fame you got to win at least sixty percent of your games so we need him to become a sixty percent win percentage type coach mm-hmm. and he's not there yet but he's at 55 percent, so he's hovering around there like 55 56 percent wherever he is right now and i went and looked at his coaching win percentage versus coaches who win at least 60 percent of their games he's at 30 well basically 40 percent he wins yeah. he's got a four close to a 40 percent win percentage versus coaches who win at least 60 percent of their games versus coaches who win Less than 60% of their games, he's at 76% win yeah. percentage. Yeah. He's got to become a coach that can match wits with a great chess master right. ac- across the other sideline. That's what he hasn't proven. That's why he's great at preparation. He's great at game planning. But when the chess match happens within the game, once his script is out the window and you got to match wits with your opponent and you have to have a feel of the game, and yeah. you got to become a play caller rather than a coordinator, that's when he's, he's shown some, uh, there's some fragility. Right to his play calling, and I think that's where he's got to step his game up. And I think it'll happen this year if it, it doesn't happen to, this year. The good news to. is he's the best recruiter in the Big Twelve. He is, but at Texas, that's always been the case. That's true, but I'm just saying I will give him. I'll give him the credit. Yes, he is the number one recruiter right now. Yes, he is. But is it him or BMDs, Big Money Donuts? <laughs> shout out to y'all, Horns with Heart, Pancake Factory. Love y'all, the Collective. Shout out. Yeah, is that? Texas1fun.org. Right back. We'll be right back. <laughs> this is Paul Dola, Waterford.org. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's no. rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. I want to talk some Texas football here. And I basically want to ease any anxiety or stress Longhorn fans may have about how good the defense is going to be. I think the defense is going to be pretty good. For, I don't know, maybe maybe 10 years now, maybe a little less than that, I've had what I call my central nervous system theory for uh, Texas football, and it applies to any defense really in the Big 12 that when Texas is really good on defense, and when I say really good, I mean top 30-ish scoring defense, right? Just kind of give us a little perspective. Anytime Texas is in that realm defensively, you go look at it, and they have veteran, smart, high IQ, 
very uh, impactful leaders up like the central nervous system of defense right up the gut, the spine, where the D tackles, inside linebackers, and your nickels, and your safeties. And I remember originally came coming up with this, looking at that 2011 defense, which was – and by the way, you have not had an elite defense at Texas since 2009. That's your last elite defense. 2009 was the last time you were a top 15 defense. I think they were like the 12th best scoring defense in the country. And, of course, you end up having a, uh, a showcase uh, and a, a – uh, a, obviously, a, you, you ended up playing in a national appearance and national title game. So that was a really good defense. That was an elite defense. But even when they're good, let's just say they're good above average defenses. When, when Texas is in that range, 2011 was the first year I kind of noticed it. They had Keaston Randall at D-tackle, Manny Acho at outside linebacker. No, sorry, off-ball linebacker. Keenan Robinson at off-ball linebacker. Kenny Vaccaro, uh, Blake Gideon were your safeties and your nickelback at that time, too. And you had Blake Gideon, who started more games than any other player in DBU history, now coach on the 40 Acres. Kenny Vaccaro, first-round pick. Manny Acho, pretty smart guy, high IQ guy. Kenny Robinson, both of those guys, NFL players. Keeson Randall, NFL player. And that really was the really kind of the core of that defense. They had some other good players, like Carrington Bindham and Jackson Jeffcoat. There were some good players on that defense, but the thing that made that defense so stable and so consistent was the uh, the central nervous system was able to bind the kind of structural integrity of the defense. And then, of course, they had a drop-off in 2012 and 2013. Why? Because they lost all those guys. They lost Keaton Randall, lost Manny Acho, lost Kenny Robinson. Lost Blake Gideon. Lost all those guys after that year, and then the defense fell off a cliff. And then once they had a, another veteran group in those key positions up the central nervous system, they were good again. 2014, you had Hassan Ridgeway and Malcolm Brown on your in your D tackles, interior D line. Jordan Hicks and Steve Edmond. Talking about an NFL line. Jordan Hicks still playing. NFL linebacker, right? He's still and balling. And balling. Yeah. Uh, I want the Cowboys to pick him up. Being bad. At, at, right? At safety, you had Dylan Haynes. I know y'all going to hate on Dylan Haynes because he's a white safety and y'all don't like white safeties. But the guy's top five all time in interceptions on the 40 acres. So, member of DBU. Shout out to my man, Dylan Haynes. And you had uh, Quandre Diggs also was playing some uh, nickel at that time. And he was on that defense too. Safety. You were moving him around that defense. You had Duke Thomas actually was one of the nickels, I believe, on that defense too. Remember him? He got a little cup of coffee in the league. So you were strong, and you were experienced right at all the positions that mattered the most. And then all those guys, a lot of those guys left, and you had to drop off again in 2015, 2016. You were one of the, some of the worst defenses um, that Texas has had in recent memory and some of the worst in the country in those two years. And then 2017, it happened again. This also coincided, strangely enough, with the uh, first year of new DCs. It was Manny Diaz's first year. It was yep. also Vance Bedford's first year. And it was um, Tone. It was Tone. Uh, man, what's his name? The DC. Uh, Orlando. Todd Orlando. Todd Orlando. Todd Orlando. I always call him Tony Orlando. I know. I was like, and Don. <laughs> no, exactly. Tony Orlando and Don. Uh, <laughs> Todd Orlando, his first year in 2017. Yep. And he had Malcolm. Remember he had Puna Ford? Yep. Ended up being an NFL player, still playing in the league. Gary Johnson and Malik Jefferson were your off-ball linebackers. They were actually two of the fastest players on the team. Your off-ball linebackers that you were probably faster than any of your DBs. 
That's how fast Malik Jefferson no. and Gary Johnson were. Uh, then Deshaun Elliott, remember the Kraken? He was um, finalist for the Thorpe that year. I saw him in the airport when I was Did leaving. Did you really? Yeah, I talked to him for a little and bit. And he's with Miami now? Yeah, he's with, my, with Brandon Jones. With Vic Fangio. And Vic Fangio. And, and Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, yep. Oh, no, that, 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 yep. second, that might be the best secondary in, in the NFL. Yep. Like, it's got a chance to be. Um, but then, in addition to Deshaun Elliott, you had uh, P.J. Locke, you had Brandon Jones, mm-hmm. you had veteran, experienced, high IQ football players right there up the central nervous system of the defense. Uh, and then in 2022, and by, by the way, although a lot of those guys left in 2017, right? A lot of those guys left, like uh, you know, Puna Ford and your uh, Deshaun Elliott left yep. after that too, I believe. And Gary Johnson, Malik Jefferson, those guys leave, and then you're inexperienced. Uh, lower football IQ because guys haven't had as many reps, so they don't see the game as quickly. And I will let there's turnover too to keep right. in mind. Like like I said, you've had you had three different defensive coordinators in those three years I just don't mentioned. forget about Chris Ash too. And yeah, exactly, and yeah. Chris Ash, you got even another one. So you had a lot of turnover yeah. that also. I believe contributes to a little bit of the inconsistency and the destabilization of the defenses after having uh you know a, a plateau of a year um and being one of the top defenses in the country the reason you'd have such a significant drop off is you lose a lot of experience but also new terminology new scheme new new way to coach all that type of stuff in Texas has dealt with way too much of that we heard Sark on the always college football podcast when they asked him about the defense the first thing he commented on was i love the fact that we have consistency within the coaching staff uh, that we have some stability within the coaching staff. He said that actually has contributed, in his opinion, more to the defensive improvement than anything else. Uh, but then getting back to it, 2022, you were already 28th ranked defense uh, in terms of scoring defense, and that's, that's improvement from 99th in 2021, so that's really good. But you had, um, you had really good defensive tackles. Like Actually, you might have had the deepest defensive tackle group in the country. You had Ojimo and you had Coburn. Those guys mm-hmm. both end up being drafted. You had DeMarvion Overshone, an off-ball linebacker, and Jalen Ford, who ends up being one of the defense, best defensive players in the conference, should have been defensive player of the year. And you had a veteran, Anthony Cook, who played almost every position in that secondary. And you had a, a veteran also with Jaron Thompson, who had played a lot. He's coming back, but he had played a lot of ball. And it's an argument that Jaday Barron was probably the most impactful player for Texas defensively, other than Jalen Ford, uh, because of the big plays he made, the fumble return for an interception, the interception return for a touchdown. He made big plays in big games that turned the tide of a lot of those games. So for me, for Texas this season, because you're going to bring back a lot of the same pieces, you bring back Jalen Ford, who is expected to be the best defensive player in the Big 12, and he'll definitely be one of them. You bring back Jade Barron. Jade Barron is, I think, going to be an all-Big 12 defender. I think he'll be, probably be first-team all-Big 12 if he has any type of season close to what he had last year, and I assume he's going to be even better, judging the trajectory. Um, and you're going to have Byron Murphy, the second, Tavondre Sweat on the D-line. So on the defensive front, you're pretty stable. All right, interior D-line and off-ball linebacker. And in the secondary, Jaron Thompson, Jalen Catalan, you upgrade. And they like Keaton Crawford so much, they're saying he, he's demanding starting reps. So your central nervous system this season actually may be as good, if not better, than it was last season. The only thing I worried about, you're not as deep on the interior D-line because nobody trusts, and I'm not hating on those young men, but they're just not as trustworthy as a Coburn and Ojimo. We don't trust Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton. 
as much. Mm. Like, can they? Can Vernon Bryden and Alfred Collins be what basically Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat were last year to Coburn and Ojimo? I hope so. I don't know if they can be. I know, but I'm, 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 Byron Murphy is supposed to be the monster. Obviously, he was preseason Big 12. But Tavondre Sweat is somebody that I've been – I mean – Waiting to pop, he 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 made huge strides last year. He did. He made huge strides. Going back to what we were talking about with development, same voices, com- camaraderie in the coaching staff. They're not trying to teach the younger players and learn at the same time. So this is a good opportunity for them. But you're right; they they didn't bring the stability that was expected. So we'll see what happens now. Uh, yeah, and uh, the Texas are pointing out, and it is a you know astute uh, observation that Gary Patterson is gone. Yep. Yep. So that's something to be concerned about, too, that Gary Patterson is gone. My hope is that the miscalculation by Pete Kwiatkowski in his first year where he misread the conference, he basically thought the Big 12 was a passing conference, and it is a running conference that cross-dresses as a passing conference. Like it's, <laughs> It really mm-hmm. is. Uh, that's pretty much what it is. And I think he misread that, and last season Gary Patterson came in, gave him kind of a, a thorough – uh, a scouting report about the mm-hmm. Big 12 because he knew it better than anybody else. Showed the warts. Exactly, and gave him all the little cheat codes that mm-hmm. he knew defensively, and that helped Kwiatkowski. He knows the cheat codes now, but does he know when and how to use them like Gary Patterson did? That's the mm-hmm. question. So I think the defense is going to be it's going to be top 35 this year. It's going to be a top 30. It's going to be a scoring defense. And every year that I mentioned, 2022, 2017, 2020, 2014, 2011, those were the last years that Texas had in I bet since two thousand nine, where Texas had a top thirty five defense, you have not had a top fifteen defense since oh nine. Yeah, I don't think they can be that good. They're not going to be that good this year. Oh, man. They, if, if the enough. if the field corner is like all Big Twelve caliber field corner, and maybe Anthony Hill is way ahead of schedule, maybe there's a possibility that it happens, but I don't think so. I think it'd be top thirty five though. That's, oh, for that's, sure. That's good enough to win you double-digit games. Should be. That is. Should be. No you know question about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, you got to remember what that offense got to do, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, yes, they, they The offense got to – listen, I think the offense is going to be – It's going to be fine. Gangbusters. Yeah. And it's going to be really good. All right, we come back. We'll give you another off the record on the other side right here on Ball Don't Lie, 512 Friday, that's when the idealionaire Patrick Davis takes jams from very talented human beings, certain artists, that you have a chance to hear live right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Jay Serrato. He is playing Sunday at Monk's Jazz. I like that. Jazz club. Monk's Jazz. Seems a little smooth. You know oh, I love saying? it. Yeah. I love it like it's jazz club, man. It's fantastic. All right. There you go, my man Patrick. Uh, mixing it up this a little bit. This is where you bit. can do spoken word, too. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you do like poetry and yeah, stuff? Yeah, you do spoken like word. Like slam poetry? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Some stuff like that? <laughs> um, all right. There you go, my man Patrick. Always keeping you on your toes with a 512 Friday. You can go uh, check out um, all of the uh, suggestions for 512 Friday. Just go to hornfm.com. 512 Three three seven three seven seven six. That's the number to the specs text line. And yes, big news tonight. Uh, at least we'll have a big story tonight, which will be Winby Winbenyamo. We're actually mm-hmm. watching Sports Center right now, and they got 
Video of Wimby. He's shooting, warming oh, up. Oh, yeah, get loose. Uh, the number one overall pick will make his debut tonight. But it's actually a nice uh, schedule of games because there'll be basically one versus two and two versus three, the overall picks in the NBA draft. And the Rockets, which means the Rockets, uh, will be in action before, I believe, the Spurs. Yes, Charlotte they play game. next. They Rockets, play. Portland play at 6 yeah. p.m. on ESPN, and then at 8 p.m. on ESPN will be the Spurs versus uh, the Hornets. Yeah, just I, I DVR'd it so I get a chance to watch the Rockets. I'm excited. I'm, I've never watched a summer league game in my life. Yeah. I've never. Yeah. I've never wanted to. I've never even had. Now you got a reason. Now I'm, 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 I, might, I might watch two. You go, yeah, you're definitely going to see one of them I'm while we're gonna here. I'm definitely going to see one. I'm yeah. going to see when Wimby plays. Yeah. But yeah. And uh, also former Texas players in that game uh, with the Spurs. Uh, Serge Barry Rice play is going to be on the Spurs team. Kai Jones is playing for Charlotte as well. Nice. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Um, all right. Well, uh, I wanted to get into some other off-the-record stories. We don't have a ton of time. So I'll just be quick here. A little nugget that I found. You guys remember the Hall of Fame pitcher Randy Johnson, right? Oh, yeah. Dude, does anybody know what he's doing these mm-hmm. days? I didn't know this. Yeah. He's a photographer, right? You know who else is? For the NFL. Yeah. You know who he, else he, is? He, he photographs NFL games. So does Ken Griffey Jr. What the hell is that? Yeah. That's their passion. I, it's that's awesome, their, yeah, that's their other passion that they wow. have. Wow. Yeah. I literally did, I was today years old when I found that out. <laughs> yeah. I saw it in the Sports Business Journal, and they were like, oh, no, Randy Johnson's been doing it for a few years now, shoots yeah. NFL games. Yep. And I was like, Randy Johnson shoots NFL? You're saying Ken Griffey Ken does Griffey too? Jr. does too. What is that? He what? was at the national championship game on the sideline taking pictures. At, wait, working for somebody? Working. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, I did not know that. Was there, there like go. was it a big uh, camera scene in Seattle? I guess it had to have been, right? <laughs> That's a great point. They, hey, it rains a lot there, so they get a lot of time out there taking pictures of the the storms taking rolling in. Storms? It's a yeah. great hobby yeah. to have post any career, but for him it's even cooler. Yeah. Because yeah, he probably gets those people are like, what the? dude, that's Randy Johnson yeah. taking pictures of that. That's so cool. Something tells me A-Rod's not going to be out there. No, no, because he wants people taking pictures of him. It's yeah. too much of an ego. <laughs> yes, it, 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 that's a great point. That is a great point. There is something about being able to let your ego go with this kind of job because yeah. it's not about you. It's, it's about not others. even close. That's right. Yeah, that's true. Good point about that. All right, we come back. We'll get into some uh, NFL news, notes, and nuggets. Kellen Moore had some high praise for one Dak Prescott. We'll also talk about the Cowboys, who got a steal in the sixth round. And we'll talk about the greatest hero heel turn in the history of sports, potentially. We'll talk about that when we come back right here on Ball Don't Loud, 104.9 The Horn.